The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is a podcast from Minute Media. With a shade under two minutes left to decide a national champion, North Carolina possessed the ball and faced a one-point deficit. Bill Raftery, an institution, seated alongside Jim Nance and Grant Hill courtside, saw the future flash before his eyes. Got to keep Manic off the glass, he said. Mere seconds later, the Jayhawks failed to keep Brady Manic off the offensive glass as the bearded wonder authored a putback dunk to give the Tar Heels a fleeting lead. Oh, you saw that coming, Raft, an excitable Nance observed. The moment was emblematic of yet another terrific night of commentary from Raftery on the heels of yet another tournament full of witty one-liners, devilish allusions to the nightlife, and honest-to-goodness basketball analysis. At 78 years old, he's as sharp as ever, as quick as anyone at providing color across sports, and, crucially, perhaps the most skilled at being great in the tight windows necessitated by the pace of play and a three-man booth. Raftery's gift is seeing things a split second before others and giving voice to it, preparing the audience for what's likely to come. He heightens the excitement of a looming fast break with one word, numbers. When a deft pass is thrown for an easy bucket, he's on the case before it hits the recipient's hands. Few can add so much with so few words. And it's the stuff the audience at home may take for granted or may not even realize. When a post player gets good position, Raftery will advise that they have a nice little hook shot seconds before a nice little hook shot finds the net, explaining in real time that it's curl play and the defense is now doubling. Succinct, informative, and within the flow of play. If you were a player, we'd marvel at his ability to play within a system, to always be in the right spot. Raftery is a gifted storyteller. The irony is that the best stories about him cannot be told. Let us all raise a glass to them. But they live in the shadows, in the way he didn't miss an opportunity to praise Remy Martin's uh, spirits, or how a late night shot can change everything. This is the playful side that's endeared him to audiences. It may be a little sticky, yet it doesn't matter if everyone loves the shtick. We gladly gulp it down no matter how many times he goes to the well. Every so often he delivers the catchphrases, onions, lingerie on the deck. Get those puppies organized. In lesser hands, it could feel like a cartoonish soundboard, but it works so well because Raftery is not empty calories. He's providing a lot of meat and potatoes before delivering dessert. We can't wait to have a double order of whatever he cooks up next.
so much to learn about. It makes me want to shout the Kyle Coster show presented by the big lead. Wow. We are watching a lot of blippy in this house. Let me tell you, there's two blippies. The second blippy, the newest blippy is not as good as the first blippy. I will die on this hill. Come back first blippy. I don't know where you are. I don't care to look it up. Maybe some other parents have found this and encountered this in a way, but Blippi not as bad as the other content out there. Another late night last night, but worth staying up for. By the way, the national championship starts at 920. Do you want to know why I know this? It's because the national championship has started at 920 for over 35 years. And yet every single year we get a whole crop of people who are shocked, amazed to learn that this is what time the game starts. Yes, it's too late. It would be wonderful if the game started at 8 p.m. Eastern. It does not, simply because we live in America that has a West Coast and we operate on a nine to five work schedule. Then we need to build in a commute in order for people to get home. What matters most to the networks is that more people are watching at the end of the game than at the beginning of the game. So how do they do that? They make sure that it's going to be a time where everybody can get home and enjoy it. I'm sorry, that's the way it is. It's not going to change. If they put it at 8 o'clock, it would be too early. I have to point out, too, another thing that is a little bit frustrating with this. And let me say, again, I think that 920 is a ridiculous time to start a game on a Monday night. But it's college basketball. I checked my watch at the moment this game ended, and it was 1136. That's not an unreasonable time to stay up to watch sports. I would posit I stay up till 1136 Eastern Standard Time watching Athletic Conquest at least 75 out of the 365 days per year. It's not an unreasonable request. The games are over two hours, sometimes 215, 220 if you get an epic 230 if it's overtime, but you're in, you're out. It ends at around the same time that Monday night football does. And people stay up and watch bad Monday night football all the time. We're talking about a national title. I think it's worth it. And there's really not much hoopla after it. Compare it to the college football playoff, which ends usually around midnight. You kind of want to see the wrap up. Yes, I know people stick around for one shining moment, but you're in, you're out. It's midnight. You go to bed. You're buzzing because it's usually a good game as it was last night. The complaints, I'm just so tired of people finding things to complain about every single day. Even if they're warranted, it's a really small cross for us to bear to stay up a little bit late to watch a great basketball game with the championship on the line. And it was a great game. Kansas jumps out to a 7-0 start. It looks like it's curtains right off the bat for North Carolina, which is always playing shorthanded because they had injuries. They don't have much of a bench. You kind of had the thought that, oh, this is going to be a boat race. It might be over before it really gets started. What does North Carolina do? They respond by coming back with an unbelievable run to hold a 15-point advantage at halftime. The defense was incredible. Kansas missed potentially 55 layups and 75 shots within the paint. I wasn't keeping track. I'm not an analytics guy, but there were bunnies blown left and right and easy chances left unconverted well on the other end. You had Brady Manick 
playing through what looked like a sure concussion hitting three after three. You had Armando Bacot, who was unbelievable in the post, grabbing every single rebound. He he established himself as a force on par with any in NCAA tournament history when you start looking at his numbers and the obscene rebounding figures that he was able to put up. Coming out of halftime now, my... Now, I was financially invested in Kansas winning for my bracket, so I was texting with a buddy who was in the same situation. We kind of said that if North Carolina comes out and stays the course for the first five minutes and we get to the under 10 and it's still a double-digit lead, we really like them. We're cooked. We don't have any chance at that, and that's not what happened. Right out of the gate, North Carolina comes out jacking threes, taking quick shots. Kansas is playing with an – Increased defensive intensity, getting steals, getting easy buckets, finally converting those layups and getting to the free throw line. And before you know it, it's a toss-up game with about 12 to play. We knew that this would be the biggest comeback in championship game history as nobody had ever come back from a 16-point deficit before. Previous record was Loyola back in 1957. We all remember that. They came back from 15 It didn't feel like that big of a deficit because it went away so quickly. And I think that's part of the reason why Kansas was able to stay the course, respond to some punches, where in other times you see these teams who mount huge rallies, these big comebacks, they're spent physically, they're spent emotionally after tying the game, and they can never get over the hump. But usually it takes longer. And I would posit that a 12 to 17 minute grind to even things up takes a lot more out of a team than an eight minute sprint. That may seem pretty obvious to everybody, but I do think it made a difference. UNC landed some haymakers down the stretch, but ultimately it was Kansas getting the victory and for Bill Self, his second title solidifying his place and whatever type of legacy conversation you want to have. Interesting to note that both have come thanks to, I don't want to say collapses, but when you consider the Memphis game where Memphis had a one before the Mario Chalmers shot, you consider this where all North Carolina had to do was not blow a 16 point lead. We could be living in a world where Bill Self doesn't have a singular title. Maybe he's not the coach of Kansas anymore if that happens, but Basketball is a game just like every other sport that it's results oriented. The final score is all that matters. Kansas has two. They are a worthy champion. They advanced through this tournament kind of quietly in a way that you wouldn't imagine the Jayhawks would be able to do under the radar. There were bigger stories going on. I think we'll look back and realize how much oxygen Duke sucked out of the room. That storyline with Coach K, you throw a St. Peter's in there for good measure. There was a lot of stuff happening on the other side of the bracket that allowed Kansas to kind of sleepwalk through some of the teams that they played too. I mean, Miami is not going to get anybody too excited. No offense. They had a nice run Providence, not that marquee name. A lot of these games seem to be happening kind of like outside the main window. You looked up, boom, Kansas is in the final four. They respond by beating a Villanova team that was missing one of its key players, but let's not take anything away from them because you look at this roster, you look at their ability to play tenacious, tough defense. I love the office and the system that they run. Abaji is a surefire pro. He's got a little deficiencies in his game, 
but he will be able to find an NBA system that doesn't rely on him passing on the move, which I would say is his one flaw. Brown is as tough a dude as they come. Mr. Longneck, he's the type of player you want on your team. Fighting for loose balls, slashing the lane, getting to the bucket, baby-faced assassin. Then you have David McCormick, who's two clutch buckets in the final minute, counting for four of his 15 points, sealed the national championship. He was a beast down low. Jalen Wilson responded from really atrocious shooting in the first half to hit a couple clutch buckets. And let's not forget Remy Martin. Remy Martin. Remy Martin, kind of the second coming of Trey Young in a lesser form, fearless, jacking up threes, clutch buckets, big heart on that kid, an all-around team that got contributions from six or seven players. It was a shame to see North Carolina lose. When you consider that they ruined Coach K's retirement tour twice, that they were playing shorthanded, that they had played their way into America's hearts. When you were watching the game as a neutral observer, you had so much admiration and so much appreciation for what this team was able to do. Unfortunately, what got them down the stretch was an over-reliance on the three-point shot, which is what got them to the final to begin with. Sadly, Caleb Love, who simply could not miss at points in this tournament and was doing heat checks from around midcourt, had a night to forget. One of the worst lines I think we've ever seen in a, in a title game. He goes five for 24, including one for eight. Missed a no reason three-pointer with a chance to tie in the final seconds. They could have gotten a better shot. You don't want to harp on the kid, but it was not a great performance. It was augmented by R.J. Davis going five of 17 and Baycott going three for 13, although he did go nine for 13 at the line. Just an off night all around. You could argue that nobody had a good game for North Carolina except for Puff Johnson, who came off the bench and provided 11 points before puking on the court in the game's final minute. How about that? How about Kansas stopping the ball in a show of sportsmanship and not taking advantage of a five-on-four situation as the seconds ticked away in the national championship game in a pivotal possession? Can we get them on one of those, well, I don't know what it is, the Southern Baptist sportsmanship commercials where the guy says the ball touched him before it went out of bounds because this was the real world version of it. You'll never see a finer bit of sportsmanship, maybe outside of European soccer. But North Carolina is a team that played above its weight. All tournament won five games, reminded me of that Kentucky team that made the final in 2014 that ultimately lost to UConn as an eight seed. They will be back. Hubert Davis writes his name up on the board as one of the greats in coaching. The thing I will take away from watching him is how energetic, engaged, passionate, and just all in he is on the sidelines. When you watch him operate from over there, you get the sense that he's just a fan of the team instead of the coach. He is doing every single thing that this, he can the in-game interview with Tracy Wolfson in which he said, it's live action, Tracy. That's an all-timer. That's a great mantra. I hope he gets that trademark because that's going to make a great calling card 
wonderful phrase and really can be emblematic of the excitement that he brings to the game. A lot of people owe him an apology after thinking he couldn't do it on the big stage. Maybe the biggest source of controversy in a game that was officiated fairly. Let's not take that away. It's great to sit here the day after a major sporting event and not relitigate the officiating, which is almost impossible. But it comes down the stretch when Baycott has the ball with 40 seconds left. North Carolina is down by one. He goes for what would be the go-ahead bucket his foot slips on the floor and replays show that the floor seems to be coming up or giving or something odd is happening. Down he goes, he gets injured. Kansas picks up the basketball, goes and scores on the other end, salts things away. Tar Heels are left to wonder what if, and it was a very bizarre and unfortunate moment. I don't know how you fix it. I know there's a lot of people saying out there, this is unacceptable. The NCAA needs to make changes. My question would be what changes you want. They're not going to start playing the final four at a basketball arena. That's going to cut their attendance from 75,000 to 20. You're not going to get a full-time basketball court at a football stadium because they play football there. No, this is just unfortunate that it happened in that moment. I don't think, I haven't gone through all the message boards in terms of flooring experts. I know that we're going to enter that realm of the debate soon. Maybe this is what's supposed to happen. Maybe we're making much ado out of nothing. Uh, We're taking a four second clip and blowing it out of proportion, but that's what we do. I just don't know a way you get around having temporary courts at the final four. So if anybody's got solutions on that, Uh, Go ahead and add them to your complaints and your righteous indignation about this game. How about Mark Emmert, everybody's favorite dude, introducing the world to the Kansas City Jayhawks during the trophy presentation last night? It's not what you want. It is just not what you want. Now, when you're out there in the big moment, people slip up all the time. I'm going to have to go back and edit this podcast several times to edit out slips of the tongue or unfortunate pauses or something weird. And it's one of the reasons why I'm not a great public speaker and I don't really relish it, but you can't call the Kansas Jayhawks, the Kansas city Jayhawks when you're the president of the NCAA. I mean, that seems like day one stuff. I don't even know how you do it, to be honest. Like, they weren't in Kansas City. I mean, um, I don't know. I've never heard that before. I've just, I never have heard the Kansas Jayhawks called the Kansas City Jayhawks. Anything that Mark Emmert's going to do is going to be met with frustration and disappointment and disapproval by the masses. This was a silly misstep it's unfortunate it doesn't mean anything it's not great that it happened well kansas is dealing with all this infraction stuff and we expect the ncaa to levy some serious punishments down the line uh fans weren't going to be happy about it no matter what they're just going to see it as another reason why they're being singled out or persecuted or it's us against the world um probably not much real world import to it 
But I have to say, it's kind of impressive how Mark Emmert goes out there and embarrasses himself in many different ways. Cleaning up some other stuff from the night. You heard me at the top talk about Bill Raftery, and I think that it's important for us to note just how damn good this dude is. Uh, I've had the pleasure of spending some time with him and seeing him work. He's a generous guy. He's tremendous on the broadcast. And listening last night, it kind of dawned on me that his ability to predict the future, the near future, to see things, a play before they happen, a pass before they happen, and pass that along to the audience quickly in short windows so they can gain in their excitement, so they can anticipate, so the moment is elevated. I don't think there's anybody else doing that better in all sports. I really don't. It's something simple where if there's a break, he'll say they have numbers. If there's a pass, he'll say nice pass if he knows it's going to be a bucket. You listen to him, he will provide the framework and the groundwork for what's about to happen. The ball goes in the low post, he'll say, this guy's got a nice hook shot. Sure enough, one second later, there'll be a hook shot. Maybe it goes in, maybe it doesn't. But I think when you consider that there's a three-man booth and there's been some stuff written about how Nance and Grant Hill, you could probably do a little bit better at both of those positions. Ian Eagle would be an upgrade at the play-by-play. I'm not so sure you need Hill. It's very crowded. He doesn't add a tremendous amount of value to me. I like him. I find him not offensive, but I can't recall there ever being one time where he said something that stuck with me or got me excited to watch the game because he was on the call. The crowd booth makes it more difficult for Raftery to get these things out there because he has even shorter and even tighter windows to work with. And I don't know if anybody's more efficient in what they do than what he does. And all the catchphrases, those are like the candy on top but he is so good about the analysis and he'll teach you things about the game with one or two words that you can use or you can appreciate or you can look for and get immediate payoff. Man, that's such a special skill. And I think that it's something we should really celebrate and really honor. And at 78 years old, he's not getting worse. He's getting better. If anything, Uh, I, this entire tournament, he was on point. He never misses an opportunity to do the things that he knows that we all love, hit those catchphrases. I just am so impressed with him. I can't wait for the next several years that he calls these games. Uh, It's a real delight. I grew up with Billy Packer, and Billy Packer was fine. He was a totally different animal in that he was very critical. It seemed like he the game made him mad. And that made him an interesting figure and kind of a curmudgeon. And it was a nice pairing with Nance because Nance is always so inoffensive. But once they put Raftery on there, you feel like you're at a party. He's the ultimate guy you want to be at a bar with watching a game. That's kind of a shtick. And it's delightful. And it's what so many other people in the space are chasing and what few networks have ever figured out a way to replicate. So Bill Raftery, better than ever at 78. Onions!
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.